Welcome to the Learn, Liken, and Lift podcast. I'm your coach, Carrie Hickenlooper. Let's get started. Episode 155, Restoration of All Things. Hello, welcome. Don't let the new title and the new music make you think you're not where you should be. You are. I'm just spicing things up, changing things up a little bit after several years of doing this podcast, but it will feel familiar. I promise. So once I was coaching a young client and this client was discouraged at the outcomes that they were receiving. They asked if if I'm trying to always take the higher road, if I'm trying to be merciful to others, if I'm turning the other cheek, if I'm giving people the benefit of the doubt, if I'm tempering my temper and I'm trying not to be critical or gossip or punish others who are really truly hurting me, why isn't everything working out for my good? Why am I not surrounded by good friends? Why are others even daring to hurt me in the first place? And why don't I feel like conflicts are being resolved and turned in my favor? I've been so good. (laughs) Oh, have you thought this a time or two? And then they asked, why is Jesus requiring me to be this way if no reward of good things is coming from it? To them, it felt like that they were being wronged and misunderstood and that they were having to learn how to move on without any reconciliation. And they were left to work out their own hurt and it felt very lonely. And I don't necessarily think that they're wrong in thinking any of this. I mean, yes, as a life coach, we reframed the way that they were thinking about their circumstances, and we worked at getting out of victim thinking, and we identified what thoughts and behaviors were actually causing them to feel this way. But the reality is that sometimes we are going to live according to the commandments of God, and we're going to temper ourselves, and we're going to trust Him, and we're still not going to have immediately the reward. There you go. There's your uplifting message for the week. (laughs) I think we often want the eternal rewards to be ours immediately. Immediate cause and effect, right? Immediate gratification for doing the hard right thing. Even spiritual blessings that will change our temporal circumstances would be lovely. It's the part where exercising faith and delayed gratification gets uncomfortable. (laughs) But we need to remind ourselves that that wasn't the plan that we signed up for. We are not Pavlov's dogs, that God is then acting upon us to train us to act according to the stimuli that we're given. We are human beings who have been given the charge to decide for ourselves what we desire to become. Hmm. So what we did sign up for is that there will be a restoration of all things eventually when all is said and done. And this is actually really good news, this this news of the resurrection, at least for those who are really trying to figure out all this righteous living stuff. 
And in this principle is where we can find peace and joy today, that the resurrection will eventually restore all things unto us once more, that nothing we've gained will be lost or can be taken away from us. We have no need to have a fear of loss. So let's talk about what that means. In Alma chapter 40, Alma is speaking to his third son, Corianton. And in fact, Alma is taking a lot of time with this son and he is answering his questions. He's teaching him and he's directing Corianton to have his focus back on the Savior, especially since Corianton had lost his focus while he was on his mission to the Zoramites. Corianton had questions about the resurrection of the dead. And here Alma vulnerably states that there are many mysteries which are kept that no one but God knows. And I say vulnerably because there is no parent who is speaking with great concern to their child, who's really maybe struggling or questioning their testimony, and who has violated sacred laws. No parent would like to be in a position to say, I don't know all things, right? We usually want to have the neat answers and and give that to our children tied up with a bow. But instead of visiting the garden of doubt and lingering there too long, Alma directs Corianton to Alma's garden where his faith had cultivated the ground and it had actually brought forth fruit on this topic. Alma revealed that after diligently asking God about the resurrection, that he has come to know a few things. He has come to know that though we don't know when, we do know that Christ is the one who does bring about the resurrection. So it's not going to happen until after Christ comes. And though we don't know how many times this resurrection will take place, we do know that God knows and that he is in control of all these things. And another thing that was made known to Alma by an angel is that all spirits, whether they be good or evil, all are taken home to God. The righteous then are received into a state of happiness or paradise where they receive rest from their troubles and from their cares and sorrows, and they also receive peace. But the wicked who don't possess any portion of the spirit of the Lord because they have chosen evil They are the ones who will be cast out to outer darkness, becoming the possession of the devil until the resurrection comes. And when this resurrection comes, it's going to be a restoration of all things. The soul will be restored to the body. Every limb and joint will be restored. And this is where we get the whole, even a hair of the head shall not be lost joke that balding men (laughs) like to make and proclaim that they are looking forward to. And we're taught by Alma that this restoration will also restore us back to our, our proper and perfect frame, which being short, I can't wait for. I've never felt like I'm a five foot tall being. I'm so much more taller than that, right? So there's my restoration or resurrection joke for you. But in all seriousness, this is a promise of hope and mercy. That whatever ailments or disfigurements we must endure through this mortality, that lot is not going to be ours for eternity. And this restoration process, it isn't just a physical body thing either. I feel like we probably focus a lot on that part, but that's only half the process. If you think about it, it would be so unjust of God 
if that's where it stopped. But God is just, and so it continues on to a restoration of our disposition, of our character, of, of the attributes that we've strived to develop. And if you stop and you think about that promise for a minute, aren't those the things that are the most meaningful to us anyways? Think about the funerals of our loved ones and how we treasure the good that they brought and sought after in life. These are the things that inspire us to to do better and to love deeper. These are the things that are spoken of that bring joy despite the sadness that we have about their parting. And here we learn that it's these things that we love dearly that we will be restored to. When our soul is restored to our bodies, we're going to have the opportunity to be restored to the state that we progressed to. If it was good, we'll be restored to good. If our works were evil, those works will be restored unto us for evil. We will either be raised to endless happiness or endless mercy. And now is the time that all of that is being determined. This is the time that we're deciding what we want to be restored to and what we truly desire to be. And we're doing so with the caveat that wickedness never was happiness. So we need to take that into consideration too. So what did we do with this principle? We discern and we decide for ourselves and then we act in alignment with our decision. And this looks like recognizing the state that we're in. In chapter 42, Alma teaches his son about the fall of Adam, which left us in a carnal state. And if left to operate In this carnal state, we're exposed to the bitterness and the iniquity that the carnal or the natural man would have us engaged in. The carnal man is contrary to the nature of God, and he sees the world and reacts to the world contrary to how God would. So punishing and disloyal, humiliating, greedy, selfish, hostile, competitive, grudge-holding, Lying to get gain or to protect oneself from accountability. These are all traits of the natural man. But so is self-hatred and denying your worth. All of these things and so much more are the natural ways of the carnal man. And you know what? In our everyday, many of the natural man traits feel justified and feel like necessary ways to respond to life circumstances, don't they? They feel Like it's the way you protect yourself from threat or mistreatment, don't they? But the key is remembering that they are contrary to God's ways. And a good way to discern and gain wisdom in this is to ask yourself, is this what I desire to be restored to? For restoration means to be brought back to what you once were, just like you would restore an old house. Our restoration of our souls will mean bringing back again evil for evil or carnal for carnal, devilish for devilish or good for that which is good and righteous for that which is righteous and just for that which is just and merciful for that which is merciful. Can you see where I'm going with this yet? Can you see how this applies to my young friend? It's the long game, isn't it? What do you desire to be restored to? Do you wish to eternally be restored to pettiness or a gossip mindset, fear, a state of retaliation? Or do you desire something different, self-mastery maybe, 
Because if you do, now is the time that you develop it. Not later, but now. Each and every experience you're having is an opportunity to build those self-mastery muscles of yours. Alma counseled Corianton to see that you are merciful unto your brethren. Deal justly, judge righteously, and do good continually. And if you do all these things, then ye shall receive your reward. And I think too often that this is where we stop and we're expecting that immediate reward in the very moment where we have our hands outstretched for it and waiting. I know when I'm not managing my brain, this is exactly where my mortal brain likes to take me. And the natural man in me likes to get a little mad and feel wronged and feel forgotten and feel like nothing ever works out for me. So what's the point of trying if I don't receive those immediate rewards? (laughs) But the scripture, it doesn't stop there. It goes on. Yea, ye shall have mercy restored unto you again. Ye shall have justice restored unto you again. Ye shall have righteous judgment restored unto you again. Ye shall have good rewarded unto you again. But here's the final punch. For that which ye do send out shall return unto you again and be restored. So to my young friend and to you, keep on doing everything Jesus has taught you to do and be. Do it with the long game in mind and then do it with trust that even when it's hard, your good efforts are going to be restored unto you in the form of goodness and righteousness. And it's not going to happen immediately. It's nice when it does, but it will eventually happen for sure. The final point I'd like to make is in chapter 42 of Alma as he nears the end of his speaking to his son. You can tell there's still a bit of rebelliousness in Corianton. When I read this chapter, the impression that I receive is Corianton is still trying to justify his actions in some regard. It looks like he's struggling with the concept of why does the sinner need to be punished? He sees it as unjust that they should be miserable for their actions and really questions the justness of God in doing so. Isn't God supposed to be merciful? And how merciful is it of God to have punishments for choices you make? That doesn't feel loving. Is that accepting of God? So how do justice and mercy work together? And I can see this question or this struggle in our everyday as well. It shows up as either condemning and demanding, or it shows up as indulgent and excuse making. So where are we counseled to stand? And here's what I desire to leave with you. And also to my young friend who tearfully asked, why can't I be unkind back? Why can't I treat others the way they're treating me? How is that just? And my answer for you today is God is just. And because of the atonement of Jesus Christ, he can also be merciful. That's why we have no need to fear loss for any price that we pay right now, either for justice or for mercy, the price will be restored to us once again. Again, fear will subside if we keep the long game in mind. Also, mercy can't rob justice. A significant price was paid for justice already. Justice can't allow you to break the laws of heaven and receive no punishment. That doesn't make sense, right? 
But through his great plan and sacrifice, the Lord has given us all this time to figure out for ourselves what we do desire to be restored to. So punishment can also be mercy, for its intent is to lead us to remorse. Which is remarkable, because the fact that we were even designed and created to feel this remorse shows the great mercy and love that God has for us. In the depths of guilt and remorse, have you ever considered that this is God being right by you, blessing you to have that inner warning signal so that we can be alert that something has gone wrong? And in the depths of your guilt and your remorse, have you ever considered that this is God being right beside you? blessing you with his mercy to experience that moment, allowing you to experience that moment so that you can choose to repent, so that you can choose to change your mind about the direction that you're facing and face another way. Without the guilt and the remorse, what would compel you to change? That's a mindset shift, isn't it? The very moment we resist, (laughs) how much effort we resist guilt and remorse, sometimes viciously, may actually be the most close in proximity that we are with the Savior. Consider that. And then also consider this mindset shift. Your past iniquities, they don't disqualify you if you choose to repent. The adversary likes to whisper in our ear that we will be disqualified from any future good or future high standing with God. But notice the invitation that Alma extends to his son at the end of chapter 42. Corianton is still called to the work, even though he messed up and his mess up had grand consequences. And even though he has for a while afterwards, obviously been kind of in a state of rebelliousness kind of has had some pride and resistance to feeling and experiencing remorse and guilt. No matter, he is still called. He is still wanted. If he chooses to repent, all is not lost. The Lord still remains his desire for Corianton. Now, to my young client, your pain is real. And it feels big. And you've even discovered that treating others better than they deserve, that doesn't always feel lovely. (laughs) The demands of justice are very real too, aren't they? But they aren't your demands to carry through. The mercy that you extend and the effort that it takes, I promise you, through the doctrine of Jesus Christ, they will one day be restored to you. There is no need to have a fear of loss here. Your efforts have been noted, and he who is an abundant God will abundantly restore you for all the efforts you have exercised. And have you considered how merciful it is that when wrong has been done to you, that it's mercy in the form of a sensitive conscience that makes it difficult for you to do wrong back in return? What added grief and anguish are you being spared from because of that? That's mercy. And what protection are you being given for not sinking to depths that would hurt you even more? That's mercy. 
And what privilege of association with God are you not fully aware yet you're experiencing? That's mercy. In this moment when emotions are high and your heart is hurting and it feels like life is so unfair, consider that the unfair tables of life, that they aren't tipped away from you. They're actually tipped towards you with mercy actually being poured out in its abundance. We just haven't been adequately taught by the world to see things in this way. But your gift, the gift of a sensitive conscience, only occurs because of the closeness that you do have with the Savior. And to do something contrary to what he would do would actually hurt you and it would wrap you up in so much guilt because you have become more like him than you realize. That is both justice and mercy working for your good. And that's something to think about, isn't it? That is definitely an example of my ways are not your ways. It takes us a moment to stop and think so that we can truly accept this because our human brains just freak out and have a hard time seeing things this way. This is something that I don't think we adequately teach. And so I'm grateful for the word of God found here in Alma that makes those teachings available. And I'm grateful and I am grateful that God has given us the time to figure it out. Thank you for listening today and thank you for being so flexible as I make changes to this podcast. Join me at Carrie Hickenlooper Coaching on Instagram. If you're interested in one-on-one coaching, you can direct message me on Instagram for more details.